0: Lloyd with Morgan streaking, she's checking the goalkeeper!
1: the The pay disparity between the men
0: and women is, is just too large, and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought, and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. You are listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 67 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera. Thank you so, so much for making the choice. To listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, for all the latest and greatest news, insight, lifestyle, everything in regards to the world of women's soccer, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Check us out on Instagram, at Girls Soccer Network, or on Twitter, at Girls Soccer Net. And if you want to give me a follow, check me out. I'm on Instagram as well, at RowanDatas25, R-O-W-I-N-D-A-T-A-S. 25, And the same goes for Twitter as well, if you want to check me out on there. All right, again, we are so grateful for each and every one of you guys. We're coming up on, you know, the end of the year once again. It's been an incredible year, honestly, of growth. When you think about what the women's game has been through, it has been nothing short of spectacular. What the World Cup did for the league, for the game, you're seeing things like free agency happen now that are just making the league even more exciting So it's been a blessing this this year from 2022 to 2023 and now 2024. We're only going to see exponential growth from here. It's just going to keep building and building and building. And there will be roadblocks along the way. There will be things that prolong our progress. But for the most part, things are trending up. You're looking at now 14-team league. There was the expansion draft. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Our interview is with Penelope Hawking of the Chicago Red Stars, the Red Stars Rookie of the Year. And that is a great conversation. You definitely are not going to want to miss out on that. That is coming up in a little bit. We will also talk a little bit about the NWSL draft, free agency as we mentioned, a little bit of the coaching carousel that's going on around the world. And of course, but most importantly, we will be at the United Soccer Coaches Convention this year. It is in Anaheim. Give and go, this podcast will be on podcast row, kind of like a media row, at the convention. We were there last year. If you have not gotten your tickets, be sure to do so already. There's also an app that you can download. Just search for United Soccer Coaches Convention or go to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Again, I highly recommend you guys getting in on this if you are able to make it. I believe it is from the 10th to the 14th of January. It's coming up quick, so make sure if you have the opportunity to go there, please do it. It will be well worth your weekend. That's where the draft happens. It's where all these incredible coaches and players will be. I believe a lot of the referees who were just at this World Cup, Tori Penso and Kari Seitz, who is like a legendary referee. Some legendary referees are going to be there. Of course, the incredible coaches are going to be there. The incredible players are going to be there. The coaches... The uh, the United Soccer Coaches, All-Americans, are going to be there from college level. So it's a great weekend, honestly, for like-minded people or who just love the game of football, soccer, who just love that, to come to this convention. And, again, you really do not want to miss out on this. It's one of the biggest in, in the country. And, and some of the people that have been here at this convention, last year we met a woman from Cameroon. All right? Like, she came all the way from Cameroon to the convention to talk about some of the things that she's experienced. So it isn't just the United Soccer Coaches Convention in America. It's, it's the whole world. This has become an international event. Okay, so you definitely want to get in on it now. Be sure to do that as soon as possible. All right, we have to get into it. The expansion draft. Now, this was interesting for a few reasons. This is the best chance that these two new teams Bay FC and the Utah Royals I guess you know Utah Royals isn't technically new but still this is their opportunity to really go after some key players like key starters and veterans who are going to be able to help your team right now one of those teams the Utah Royals that's what they went and did they only used two of their picks now questionable right you you have so many picks these these teams got you know practically six picks each and there were only so uh, i i kind of wish the teams would use because there there's so many great players out there now granted this this whole idea of trading a player to a team so that you get full protection i mean it's a great idea i love it but at the same time i feel like it i kind of wish you did not have the option to have be fully protected I wish there was at least a small list of players that you still have to be still have they still have to be available for you because I don't know, I feel like it kinda it takes away from from something like this where this is a real chance for these these two teams to, to build something for the like what you see in this draft is what at least part of this the structure, the backbone of the team is gonna look like. All these players that have been acquired are going to be in these teams plans next year. Like you better believe it. The Royals, to me, with their two picks, got more than what BFC did with their, with their five picks. To grab Elise Bennett and Paige Monahan, you're talking about two very solid players who will come in and make an impact right away. Elise Bennett has done a great job coming off the bench with the last two teams that she's been with. Will she get a starting opportunity now in Utah? That is yet to be seen, but it is entirely possible that you slot at least Bennett in up top or on the wing. And then you, Paige Monahan, to me, is a great player. I really believe that Paige Monahan has what it takes to really unlock any defense and really just whenever you need a goal, whenever you need someone to make the right play, that's what Paige Monahan does. So for me, I think the Utah Royals. Got a great haul with the two picks, and I'm a little surprised that they didn't use the, the rest of their picks and they chose to pass. For, for Bay FC, they went almost seemed like they went a little bit of a developmental route. Uh, Alyssa Melanson from the OL Reign, I haven't seen her play too much. I, I can't lie. I was a little surprised to see that when the other picks that they used had better players on them. So you're looking at Caitlin Rowland, who to me has won multiple titles with the courage. That's a starting goalkeeper in this league. I don't know if she's lost a step, if that's what teams are seeing out there, but to me that's a starting goalkeeper in this league. They have their goalkeeper now for the future. Unless obviously you like someone in the draft, you take them, but they have their piece now at goalkeeper in Caitlin Rowland. Sierra NG, who we did have on the podcast actually this this past summer, but she is a developmental player who, again, gave the wave great minutes already. Something to definitely build on for BayFC. It's still it's still a great pick, a great find later on in the expansion draft. That's the kind of pick that you make. Then Tess Bodie, who we haven't gotten to see a lot of, but a highly touted player when she came out of Duke. That was a she was part of some really good teams at Duke, so you can see why they they went in that direction. And then. Rachel Hill it, just can't seem to find a team it seems like I this was something that Alex Morgan voiced her opinion and said that we should do away with the expansion draft and this is not the right way to go about it and and all that stuff and I I hear what you're saying from a perspective of hey that's your teammate and you know you've enjoyed playing with them and getting to know them as a person and it's and it stinks it's not a great situation but sports at the end of the day is a business as much as i would love to say it's about friendship and 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 all your best friends playing together and it's this beautiful thing it does not work like that as we just saw with rachel hill leaving because let's be honest with you like Rachel Hill might be shocked and Alex Morgan might be you know, upset. But the bottom line is the wave chose not to protect her. That is the bottom line. If Rachel Hill was of value to the wave in any way, shape, or form, true value, then they would have kept her on that protected list and we wouldn't be having this discussion. So at the end of the day, this, this thing is a business. And now that we have free agency and you're going to start to see these contracts of players go up and up and up and up, it's going to be even more cutthroat and even more ruthless. So if this is new to you guys, I'm telling you to strap in because it, there's only going to be more more difficulties, more more hard decisions and hard choices and hard things that we're going to have to see and go through and witness of our favorite players, coaches leaving certain trainers leaving whoever it is right who who you have have been a fan of you're going to see a lot of shuffling around you're going to see a lot of new players on new teams more so than you ever have before so just strap in prepare because as we expand this is this the league is going to change and the league is going to be different there will be a ton of parity i'm sure of it i, I know that's a fact there it's still going to be incredibly exciting and incredibly close and no one's going to have any idea who's going to win year in and year out because the league's going to be so close, and that's going to be incredibly fun. But at the same time, the business side of things, people, it's coming. It hasn't been a thing yet because free agency hasn't really been a thing, but now that free agency has entered the fold and there are this many players available for teams to sign, yeah, it's going to change. So, so strap in. Speaking of free agency, A couple rumors, right? Gotham is going all in, it seems, on doing what they can to repeat. Do something along the lines of what the Courage did, where you you create a team that is so dominant that they cannot be touched. If Gotham were to sign all three of these players... Now, again, these are advanced talks. We don't know anything about what's going to happen. They could all choose to not sign at all, right? Deals could fall apart at the last minute. That's how these things work. It's not a done deal yet, but when it is, if they are able to sign Rose Lavelle, Tierna Davidson, and Emily Sonnet in one go, that would be one of the coups of the offseason, and someone needs to step in. Someone needs to come in and say, no, 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 we want their services, there needs to be some type of bidding war. You would think that there would be a bidding war or something over Rose Lavelle. You would think that teams would be fighting to to have her on their team. And this is something that, again, it will get, you know, more publicized and, you know, you guys as as, a, as fans of this game will help drive how much this game is talked about. So, like, talking about... Who is going to sign with which team? They have this and this many options. Three or four teams have been in the mix. There's so many different things that we're going to be able to talk about now because of this being, being possible. But Rose Lavelle, Tierna Davidson, and Emily Sonnet, if they can land all three, I mean, hey, sky's the limit for that team next year. It's going to take a lot for Juan Carlos Amoros to make it work out on the pitch, everyone all together, but... Still, that would be a scary proposition if all three of those players sign with Gotham. So stay tuned with that. And other big news, Maria Sanchez got paid $1.5 million over four years. That makes her contract now the biggest in NWSL history, surpassing Trinity Rodman's deal. So now she's the highest paid player in the league and... Honestly, I think she deserves it. To me, she's a, a top player in the league. She means more to Houston than maybe anyone else in the league. When you're talking about true MVP candidates, I know she was not nominated, but Maria Sanchez is the closest thing to an MVP for, for the Houston Dash. If they didn't have her, man, that team would be stuck on offense, she really does so much for them in terms of creating chances, scoring. She can do it all, and she's well worth the price. So really excited for her and for Houston. They have their centerpiece to build this team around for the future. All right. Without further ado, that Penelope Hawking interview, as promised, the Chicago Red Stars Rookie of the Year and Star Striker. Enjoy, guys. Uh, I'm with Penelope Hawking of the Chicago Red Stars, fresh off of winning the Red Stars Rookie of the Year, one of the best strikers coming out from this recent draft class. Penelope, how are you and how are you feeling after such a productive rookie year in Chicago?
1: Um, I'm feeling really good. Um, I really love my time in Chicago. I'm so glad that I got selected by the Red Stars, um, and I'm just really, really excited to – uh, see what's to come with the new ownership and everything and new coaches and I think our club has a lot of potential and I'm really excited to be a part of it.
0: Penelope what would you say was your favorite moment from the season?
1: Um, I think just collectively being with the girls and being with such a great group of girls um, was like the highlight of my season. Uh, I just love everyone on the team and I'm so glad that I got a year with these girls. Um, I just love our team so much, but I think a favorite moment um, I think our, our win in Washington in DC was um, I thought it was really big for us. And I thought that was such an exciting moment, especially, especially with our new owners there and being a part of that, of our first win with the new ownership, uh, that was just super exciting. And um, I remember like, that was kind of the happiest that we've been in a while with everything going on.
0: And would you say what the mood is kind of like now as you know, you're kind of in flux with, you know, new manager, new system, new everything that a lot of change is coming. So how are you and the team feeling about that?
1: Um, I think we're feeling really optimistic and really good about the new ownership. Um, Laura has been so phenomenal with her communication with us. And we're really, we've gotten like such a positive, uh, we've gotten such positive feedback, feedback from her. And we've all gotten to meet with her and her vision for this club is just, Um, it's so bright. And I'm just really excited to be a part of it. And I think morale is really high, and especially really high as the season came to an end. Um, I think we were just ready for that new ownership. And I think we had like a new, another like burst back in us. And um, yeah, it was just really exciting to be a part of at the end of the season. And then I think we can carry that over into next season.
0: Now coming from the college game where you were probably I would say one of the in the last 10, 15 years, probably one of the best strikers to come out of, of college We're incredibly productive. What would you say is the toughest part of making the adjustment to the pro game from the college game?
1: The pro game is just, it's so unbelievably fast. And I just remember like my first couple weeks in preseason with the team, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew it would be really hard, you know, like I would just go in and work my, work my hardest. And whatever happens happens. Um, but I remember, like, my first couple of weeks, I was just, like, trying to catch up with the speed of play. And it was just so frustrating and so difficult because it's just so different from, like, the college game. And, um, you know, it was, re- it was a really hard adjustment, but I think, you know, I, I adjusted pretty quickly. And, um, you know, the physicality is another factor, too. Like, it's way more physical in um, in the pros than it was in college. And it's faster. The girls are faster, stronger, more athletic. Like, everything's just another another step up and um it's a really cool challenge and i um i love it
0: is there anything that you learned from college that you've been able to take with you uh to the nwsl
1: um i think you know just just being adaptable you know with with college it's you know like you're constantly like traveling you're constantly like game like week in and week out like you may lose a game you gotta bounce back like and I think season is so short in college and you don't get um you know like a full NWSL season is nine months and the college season is four or five months and it's hard to replicate that in college like it's hard to replicate the pros in college and I think like something that I've been able to like really take with me is just like taking every game like one step at a time you know like I think in college like, that was a big focus for every team that I've been on and I think it's so important now in the pros because the season is so long and you can't just get caught up on like one loss or a couple losses back to back or like a couple wins you know like the the standings are always fluctuating and you can't get caught up on that and I think that's something that I I realized this year
0: absolutely And you, you mentioned in in a previous interview that you're just grateful to be a pro soccer player, to have this career. What's your favorite part about being a pro soccer player and where does your love for the game come from?
1: I think just being able to step on the field every single day, um, is just such a blessing. And, you know, I've worked so hard to get to this, this place in my career and, um, you know, just. I think just going on the field every single day and like playing with some of the best girls um in the nation some of the best players in the nation and um i think it's just and again some of the best players in the nation like it's just such a a blessing to to play against these girls that you've looked up to for so many years and with girls that you've looked up to for so many years
0: and i guess where did your love for the game come from growing up like was it did you get thrown into it? Did you sign up right away? Like, I guess what was kind of where did where'd your journey start with the game?
1: Um, I think like my earliest memory of like just falling in love with soccer was I think there were like two moments. Uh, my dad introduced me to um the English Premier League growing up. And on Saturdays he would turn on like Manchester United, and um we would watch like Wayne Rooney and um who else was on that team? Like I think Nani was on that team and just like a lot of like legends and even Ronaldo. Um, I just like fell in love with that, with the English Premier League and just soccer, you know, like watching some of the best players like score incredible goals. Like I just wanted to be a goal scorer. And um, I think where I really fell in love with like wanting to like make a career out of soccer was um, it was the, I think it was the world cup in 2011, I think. And um Negro Pino like sent a ball in and Abby Wombach scored that that header goal against against Brazil. I just remember like vividly remember being with my family and just having this memory of like this is what I want to do. Like this is exactly what I wanted. I want to be scoring big time goals for big teams, like possibly my country. Like, I just want to be Abby Wambach I want to do that. Um and I think like that was where my motivation started. You know, I think after that I just spent every moment like Going to the field, touching a ball with my coaches, doing individual training. Like after that, was just an obsession.
0: I gotta say, I'm very happy about the Manchester <laughs> United <laughs> shout out. Let's go United! Obviously, <laughs> love this year. But um, you mentioned uh, you know, the national team game. Abby Wambach. Did you have any soccer idols you loved growing up?
1: I think my like my earliest soccer idol, um, men's player was uh was Ronaldo. Um, I mean, I watched him on menu and he was just unstoppable and, um, he was like my earliest, uh, role model. And then as I started watching the woman play, it was, um, Abby Wambach. Like, I just loved watching her play. Like she was just a true goal scorer. Um, you know, just, she was just so good. And then Hope Solo was one of my like idols also, cause mm. she was just amazing. But, you know, I never wanted to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> right.
0: And so you mentioned, you know, Abby and like that moment, that memory that you have, what would it mean for you to get that senior call up to the national team down the line in your
1: career? I think it would just mean the world to me, you know, like I played on youth national teams growing up and every time, like I stepped into camp, I was just so grateful and, you know, so excited to be there. Um, just cause I knew I was like playing with the best players. And that's always just been a goal of mine is to, be among the best and, you know, doing, playing professional right now, I, I am playing among the best players in the world right now, which is so amazing to say. Um, But, you know, to take another step and get a call up with the national team and have the opportunity, I just think, you know, I would be like living my dream.
0: And so you talked about getting towards that dream. What would you say is your biggest strength at a striker? What do you do best and what is your biggest weakness that you're looking to improve?
1: um I think probably my biggest strength is just getting in positions to to get on the ball um and like get in dangerous spots whether that's like dribbling at the back line or turning in front of the back line or getting in behind I think like that's always been a strength of mine um I think being in the pros now I think my size has definitely like been a weakness of mine um like like both strength wise and just like competing against other girls in the league. Like everyone's bigger, everyone's stronger. And I think like just getting stronger, like on and off the ball is just something that I've been wanting to work on. And I think it's just a like day in and day out. I've been trying to work on that.
0: And so would you say that's more like just physically being in the weight room? Is that more out on the pitch? Like, I guess, what specifically would you say that that entails?
1: I think it's a combination of both um, you know, like getting stronger in the weight room and getting faster on the field. Like, I think that ties into a lot of like, um, you know, the off the field, like sports or sports, um, science and, um, like strength training and stuff. I think like, that's a huge factor and something I take like really, really seriously is like being in the weight room. Um, but then also, you know, having that translate on the field and, um, just practicing, like getting comfortable with having girls just be super physical with me and, uh, you know, trying to outmuscle girls in practice and in games, like not, you know, shying away from that, but like embracing that in practice and getting myself in more positions like that. So I can just get more comfortable in that.
0: You've mentioned just how hard you've had to work to get to this point in your career, all the, all the hours, all the extra training sessions, what would you say is your advice to all the young girls out there who are looking to make it and take their game to the next level, whether it's high school, college, pro?
1: Um, I would just say like, if you want to make it to the pros or in college, or, like be a successful player in general, I think it's just like, just to become obsessed with the game, you know, like I was obsessed when I was younger, you know, just like getting better, getting touches, scoring goals, like. I just wanted to be the best. And I just, you know, every single day, I would go out to the field and shoot and be on the ball and do anything to just, you know, get better and put my put myself in a position to get better every single day. And I think it was just an obsession at that point, you know, like, I was obsessed with getting better. And uh, I think that's honestly what took my game to the next level. Like I just, I saw results, I was playing better when I was, you know, just out there every single day just working as hard as I could like going to play against my friends like playing with my friends outside of practice Uh, I just always wanted to play soccer and if you want to get to that level like you just have to find a way to become obsessed and part of it was because I just I just loved it I just loved being out there but I just loved that I also just loved that I was like getting better every single day and I saw results you know like you see results like you're in the weight room you get stronger you see results okay I just want to do it more you know, like I'm out on the field, like my right foot's getting better. My left foot's getting better. It's translating in games. Like it, it just, at that point, it's just like addictive. Mm
0: -hmm. And have you seen that kind of the, the time in between those improvements, It, it grows, right? So it becomes almost like more difficult over time to maintain it. Do you feel like you've noticed some of that since coming in, into the league?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, when you're in season, um, you don't really have, like, a lot of time to work on stuff individually, because, like, the focus is, like, the team, and, um, like, the team getting better, and and ev- everything that comes along with that, um, so it's, like, kind of harder to, like, put yourself in that position to, like, you know, get better, and also, like, managing your load, you know, like, I don't, if we have a hard practice or a game coming up, like, I don't want to take 50 shots over the over the course of the four days at practice and um like kill myself in um in training. Um but um you know just like finding ways to just like work on stuff individually is um just like doing something every single day, whether it's like a couple passes or like some long balls or like couple shots, I think just trying to do that more is would be beneficial.
0: Again, that was Penelope Hawking of the Chicago Red Stars, someone who is going to be a future star in this league, already a lethal goal scorer, already has come in and made an impact as a rookie, was the Red Stars Rookie of the Year. This is someone who you're definitely going to want to keep an eye on, and it was a great conversation with her. We really enjoyed getting to year, her passion for the game, and you can see it every time she's out on the pitch. All right, the NWSL draft is around the corner, and this is straight up just an amazing draft class. There are some franchise altering players available especially in the first round now granted will all of these players leave college is the biggest question now it, it, it's own we're not going to know the final list of players that have entered their name until a few days before the draft so we're really going to have to keep an eye on everything leading up to the draft. We're really trying to figure out who is going to declare or who isn't. There are a few college players that still have that extra, extra year of eligibility because of COVID. So that extra year can be used by some of the players that I'm about to mention, right? We've got about – these are the 10 best prospects right now who could enter the league. Some of them are sure to enter because they don't have eligibility left. Others do. And so that's what makes this hard to exactly say who will be declaring. But these are 10 names to remember come January, come mid-January, when the draft rolls around in case all 10 of these players declare. Number one, you have to start with Croy Bethune, the Georgia midfielder, who has had her fair share of injuries, serious injuries, that have made it very difficult to really get to see her at her best for all four years. But I would say the consensus in most circles is that Coy Bethune is the best prospect in this draft and has been for years, for years. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. She took another year of eligibility to go back to Georgia. It's happening. It's finally here. I She cannot go back. We're finally going to get to see a potential superstar, honestly. She can truly do a little bit of everything in that midfield, score, distribute, a true centerpiece, a true, true centerpiece. So if Croy Bethune is coming, right, keep an eye on that. She's probably going to go top three in the draft, without question. Even if she doesn't go number one, she's going to go top three, no doubt in my mind. Number two, Trinity Byers is, again, the most productive player in the college game, (laughs) and it's not even close. In three years of college, three years, she's got 47 goals and 33 assists. Those are solid for a four-year player. those That's the type of line that you see from a great four-year player in college and they go and have a great pro career. Th- those are the, those types of numbers. She's got it in three. She was great from the moment she stepped on campus at Texas. Trinity Byers, I hope that this is the year she declares this is her time to strike. To me... I think she's able to come in right away and make an impact. To me, she kind of reminds me of Messia Bright in someone who was just so incredibly productive in college and it translated to the league. Not Not a lot of players can be great college scorers and come into the league and carry that forward. But when you play it at a high level and that big 12 conference is pretty competitive... I think that definitely helps prepare you for the next level. So Trinity Byers coming in at number two. Hopefully she declares, man, we need to see her in the NWSL. Really? Maya Doms, Stanford. There's simply no denying how she was the heart and soul of that Stanford team. Carried them in that national title game. Brought them back from 2-0 down to 2-1. She scored the only goal on Florida State in in the NCAA tournament. Tough gritty, technical, is willing to get dirty and, and do the dirty work in the midfield, put in challenges. She, again, is also a complete well-rounded player. To me, she also is a top-five pick, for sure, if she enters her name into the NWSL draft, because Europe is also a possibility. That's the other thing. Europe, If, if Europe's done their scouting... They're definitely looking at some of these players and saying, hey, we need to go sign them before they enter the draft, and we want them on our team playing European football. That, that's also something to consider here. Next, Ryland Turner, UCLA, been a bona fide star there, similar to Trinity Byers since she stepped on campus, the national title game, the, the goal to tie the game at the end, winning it. Her legacy has been cemented at UCLA already as one of the best players in school history. Now, the only thing you could say is that they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to UC Irvine. So, there is very much a feeling of she could go back. If she's got another year of extra ability, she could go back to try and right that wrong. And try and go go on another run and get two titles in three years. That is entirely a possibility. But she's an All-American, one of the best strikers in the country. If not this year, then next year. She is, again someone who's going to be highly sought after. That is without a doubt. Onye Chigini, what an incredible story. Brian Penske, coming from the SEC at Tennessee, obviously used those roots to bring Onye Chigini in from Mississippi State. And you want to talk about an explosion and just what she achieved, what she did. She really helped take Florida State to the next level. This was her breakout. 16 goals, 5 assists. One of the leaders... In the attack that helped them win the natty. She absolutely is on going to be on everyone's radars uh, as the ACC Offensive Player of the Year. If you're looking for a goal scorer, you've got one in Echigini. She's going to be legit. Now we're going to get into, into some defenders. And there, again, are some elite defenders in this class, especially out of the ACC. McKenna Morris was arguably the best player on the best team in Clemson's history. They got to their first ever college cup. And anytime you have a defender who can impact the game in the way that McKenna Morris can, to be a defender and score 10 goals, I mean, how, I can't even, how is that possible? I need to go back and watch Clemson season because I'm still trying to wrap my head around how that is possible, how a defender leads the team in goals scored. I'm guessing she must have been used as a hybrid player, must have played in the midfield at different points of the season in order to get to that number. But regardless, that is an incredible feat and shows how versatile McKenna Morris is. When we talk about this, there's always been a lot of, at least in American soccer, converting of defenders to midfielders and midfielders to defenders, wingers to right backs and left backs, all that stuff. McKenna Morris is going to give teams a lot of flexibility based on her skill set. Definitely keep an eye on her. Next up, Julia Elias from Georgetown. One of the most consistent defenders, one of the most reliable competitors in college soccer, without question. Julia Elias is the kind of player that Georgetown was able to build around and really create some of this consistent, sustainable success in the Big East. You're talking about in 67 games that they won over five years of Georgetown she was a part of 54 clean sheets out of those 67. 54 clean sheets. She's the leader anchoring that back line 80% of those games. So that's an insane record over five years. Five years is a huge sample size. If it was one or two, you can't really use that as, as a great number for longevity, sustained success. Five years, 54 clean sheets. That's dominating. And so when you're looking for a reliable defender who you can slot in right away and be incredibly useful to your team, that's what Julia Leos can do. The same can be said about Eva Gaetino. The Notre Dame defender might be the most decorated of these defenders I've just mentioned, right? The Notre Dame star won ACC Defender of the Year for the second year in a row and was a clear choice for first-team All-American. Now, she's a senior, again, with junior-level eligibility. So she's another one of those players that could choose to go back for another year at Notre Dame. But at the same time, she's achieved everything a player at that level can achieve outside of winning the national championship. So that's, again, that that would be the only reason, I think, that she would go back because Notre Dame's had some great teams over the years. So that would make a lot of sense. But if she does, that, you're talking about, again, another franchise player here that you cannot ignore in in Eva Cattino. The last two on the list. Kennedy Wesley, a steady five-year player at Stanford who contributed every single year, was a part of that national championship team early on in her career at Stanford. She was a key piece in front of Ryan Campbell this year. And when you play five years in an elite program like Stanford where they teach the game so well and you develop so much as a player, she's going to enter the league a little more season and be able to make an impact right away as a defender. And lastly, Macy Bell. I watched Macy Bell two years ago and thought she was already head and shoulders, one of the best defenders in college soccer, had an ACL injury, missed time, came back this year with a vengeance and was phenomenal. And to me, the yeah, between the defending itself, the athleticism, the toughness, the competitiveness – You can tell that he is very, very intense when she's out there on the pitch. I I love her game and and really enjoy watching her. And it's hard to say for a lot of defenders. How can you say you enjoy watching a defender? I enjoy watching her play a lot. All right, so those are your 10 names to keep an eye on for now. A lot can change from now to January. Teams are doing their scouting. More names and more players will come up. Names will emerge that we have not heard of before. That's the beauty of the draft. I cannot wait. It is going to be so much fun. So we're going to have a lot of content, guys, coming from the United Soccer Convention. So be prepared because we've got some great stuff coming. And that involves a lot of great behind-the-scenes stuff from the draft. We're going to be talking to players as soon as they get drafted. It's going to be an amazing time. A little bit of red carpet, a little bit of you know. We're going to be all over the place. So, again... Keep it locked. Stay tuned with us. We've got some great content coming. Time for the last segment of our show, which will be the coaching carousel. Two big pieces of news. One, Barcelona manager Jonathan Giraldez. The second that news broke, everyone was freaking out. Everyone was like, hold up. The Barcelona manager is available? Uh, We need to go get him right now. And I'm sure... The bidding war has ensued, and, and there's certainly multiple teams interested in his services. I am very intrigued to see who it's going to be. Now, most it's most likely going to be Europe. Most likely going to be Europe, but there have been reports that the, there are certain NWSL teams that are offering him a boatload of money to come here. So hopefully, I don't know what this man's motivations are, but hopefully the money is going to be enough to to bring him here does he want a project for him to build a team on his own this would be the opportunity to do that he's already done it at barcelona i mean he, look that team is pretty almost unbeatable but now it's like do you want a do you want a real challenge you want a real challenge now come to the nwsl my man it'll be a, it'll be completely different Trying to play the style that you play at Barcelona at the end of it, it would be completely different. I would love to see it. I can't wait to see it. I think he would be incredible for the league. It would be huge for the league. Because we're finally going to get to see that that style clash. That European mindset coming in with the American mindset on how to play the game. And will he adjust? Will he adapt? I'm sure to some extent he will. If it does happen. But... There's there's a lot to a lot to look out for. Hopefully, it is with an NWSL team. Secondly, news just broke: Lorne Donaldson, the Chicago Red Stars' new manager, highly sought after as well on the market because he was the man who helped lead the Reggae Girls to a historic round of sixteen World Cup appearance. That's huge. I, I am honestly stunned at the fact that the Jamaican Federation went into negotiations with this man and said that they did not want to bring him back. I don't know if Donaldson asked for more money than they were willing to pay him. I don't know what it was. But after you just make a World Cup round of 16 appearance for the first time, Jamaica, and you don't re-sign this man, what are you guys doing? Those are the types of decisions that spoil and ruin the momentum. this is where they need to expand and build, not break it down. You're telling me you're going to be able to find a better manager than him now to do what he just did. I don't know about that. It just seems like they it just seems like they can't get anything right other than the players winning everything else in terms of infrastructure and how the the women need to be supported in terms of pay. Hotel, everything, the the systems with which they get to operate are not great at all, but they still won, and they still did what they did. They still knew that you know he this may, this is the man behind the counterattacking brilliance that got Jamaica into the next round. So I I don't know, but hey, it is a great ad for the Chicago Red Stars. I mean, to have someone with this reputation, but not only that, but has worked and helped build the soccer scene in Colorado, and and we've talked about this many times in the podcast before, how players like Jalen Howell, who I believe he has worked with personally, Jalen Howell, then you have Mallory Swanson, Sophia Smith, Lindsay Horan. There are so many, and this man was a part of that, so this man knows what he's doing. He's worked with Janine Becky. He's helped her improve her game. This man can develop talent and when you look at that young talent that they have between Swanson, Penelope Hawking, Ali Schlegel, this was a perfect hire. A beautiful hire for the job. It might not be next year per se, depending on how free agency goes, but the Red Stars are in a great place. These are the types of moves that Laura Ricketts helped orchestrate, you know, in in creating that Chicago Cubs turnaround. And now you're talking about this. This is just the beginning. So super excited for the Chicago Red Stars. This was a great hire and excited to see what they're going to do. All right, that is all that we have for you today on episode 67 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera. And thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, just a reminder about the United Soccer Coaches Convention. It is coming up in January in Anaheim, 10th to the 14th. Be sure to get your tickets. If you want to join us, you can go to United Coaches Convention.org for more info. And again, for all the latest and greatest from the news of women's soccer, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network, on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. And of course, if you want to check me out on Twitter or IG, hit me up rowindatas 25, at R-O-W-I-N-D-A-T-A-S, I I will be happy to give you a follow back, all day, I'm not that person that's like, oh, new follower, I'm going to follow you, and then unfollow you later, so that you never see it, I'm not that person, alright, if you want to follow me, I will follow you back, no questions asked, alright, so, come say hi, you know, offer some feedback you want to just talk about sports man i'm more than happy to do it especially women's soccer so please hit me up and again thank you guys so so much for tuning in have a great holiday season it is one of the best times of the year enjoy everybody peace out